Welcome to the Scale Ups Podcast, where each week you get to hear Sean Steele, professional CEO, growth mentor, and advisory board chair, unpack the strategies that successful founders have used to achieve scale in their businesses. Stay tuned as he interviews the entrepreneurs who've made it, learns from industry experts, and follows a group of founders still striving to scale. G'day everyone and welcome to the Scale Ups podcast where we help first time founders learn the secret to scaling so they can fulfill the potential of their businesses, make bigger decisions with greater confidence and maximize the value and impact they can create in the world. I'm your host, Sean Steele, uh, and I'm joined today by Marianne Mooney uh, from The Worthy Leader. How are you, Marianne? Excellent. Thank you, Sean. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. My pleasure is all mine. Actually, this really lights me up, um, Marianne, getting to do this episode with you because you're going to bring such a unique set of optics um, as, a, as a partner and a guide to founders um, in this conversation. And so for those who don't know who you are um, sort of personally or who the worthy leader is, maybe I'm going to give just a little slightly more than normal uh, uh, background, a backdrop to what you do and the context in which you work with founders, um, because that's really relevant to why we're having a conversation today um and so yeah please jump in if i get anything uh get anything wrong but you know in short you develop founders and leaders um you've been on and remain on uh, as a director of numerous boards uh, and organizations you've helped uh two consulting firms uh, which uh, sort of became market leaders you've consulted to the who's who you know pwc supreme court microsoft mitsubishi you've authored a book um the worthy leader you're the board president for the uh, sanoa foundation is that the way to pronounce that? that's correct so no, I yeah. nailed it. Thank you. Um, which is a not-for-profit that supports um, victims of uh, human trafficking. And in, this is in addition to all your work with YPO, which we're going to talk about as a, as a trusted facilitator uh, and therefore sort of confidant to, um, to founders of large organizations. We met through YPO. Mm-hmm. And so for those who haven't heard of YPO, you may have heard it you know, mentioned by a few different um, guests or myself in the, in the previous episodes. If you haven't, it stands for Young Presidents Organization. It's a, a global community of about 30,000 um, uh, CEOs, mostly you know, sort of founders and professional CEOs, uh, sort of hired guns, if you like. Uh, it's in 142 countries. Combined revenue of the companies that these CEOs lead is $9 trillion. So they, they collectively employ 22 million people. And it's sort of organized in chapters. And each of those chapters brings together a community of like-minded peers um you know provides events and trips and opportunities to connect and, and also to share deeply about um challenges and goals and ambitions that founders have in the context of um their th- themselves their family uh, and their business uh with other people who understand and other people who have gone through or will go through you know similar things um because it's pretty lonely at the top yeah uh, you know, they don't always have lots of people to chat to. And I joined YPO about four years ago. And I'm whilst I'm taking a bit of a sabbatical um, this year because I'm doing a few other things rather than running larger organizations, there's a consistent theme um, from founders on this podcast. And, uh, and they include that you need to have some people to bounce stuff off. You need to have people that you can confide in, um, troubleshoot with, get support from. Um, so that might be advisors, it might be mentors, but having a peer group is really is really critical. And in Australia, some of the notable organizations would include um, YPO, who we're talking about, um, Entrepreneurs Organization, CEO Club, uh, CUB, which is Club of United Business, the list goes on. And for founders who have companies north of, you know, a million dollars in revenue, there's, there's lots of options. And a lot of those um, organizations deal with 
founders in the one to 20 mil sort of revenue range that then of course you've got um you know business women's network you've got queensland ladies you've got all these different organizations north of maybe 20 million dollars of revenue up to you know up to billions um ypo is really probably the, the sort of the global leader in that space and you and i met back in uh 2019 because you facilitated a workshop with my ypo forum mm-hmm. which is you know a forum is six to eight like-minded ceos um and and uh we were sort of newly formed and you you asked us some really challenging questions and i was relatively new to ypo and i was thinking wow who is this person who's got this unbelievable privilege um because these forums are sanctuaries right Mm -hmm. they are like who else gets invited into a room with eight ceos who are running anywhere from you know i think in that room we had anywhere from 20 million dollars revenue to 700 million dollars revenue and you have complete confidentiality and trust of those individuals you get to see and hear these stories about how they've scaled how they're tackling stuff from a business perspective but also the real human stuff you know those that are having families maybe you know uh, in in some kind of crisis because i don't know maybe they i'm not talking about my forum i'm just talking about forums in general these 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 places you get invited into where they might have families breaking down because you know work and financial success has been put ahead of family or things that look uh, people that look successful on the outside and family's great and business is awesome but then they might drop dead by 50 because work's been put in front of their health um, and health's been put to the side or those that have had major business blow-ups and whilst everybody else can see from the outside the business blow-up what was the driver of the business blow up and what role did that individual play in that business? You know, did ego get in the way, you know, the, what, and what are the personal flow on consequences of those things? How, you know, how they make big decisions and what's driving that decision? You know, is it a heart issue? Is it a mind issue? What, what are their intentions? And what, if they've got some motivation from somewhere, what happens to when that motivation disappears? And what if they're running a company for 20 or 30 years and they build an empire and then they stop working, they've got no other interests. And actually they've sort of, everybody else has been cast aside and now they're completely alone and and unfulfilled because the work was all they had and so this so you know i'm I'm giving i guess people some insight because this podcast is about what it takes to scale and what founders need to pay attention to if they want to have sustainable success holistically not just financially and i'd love to chat to you today about stories Mm depersonalized obviously yes um that contain observations and learnings that you think are illustrative for founders so today's going to be less about probably strategy and more about the individuals running the organizations um because i always think founders especially you know founders usually only they may only build one or two businesses ever and therefore they're really like their context is very tight they're inside the problem they can't usually see outside the problem because that's all they know and partners and experts and people like yourself get to see from outside the problem and you might they might only see one or two businesses in their time Mm. from the inside and you see tens or hundreds a year and so you see patterns that they can't see you can see things that they can't see so i know that was a massive setup and it's by (laughs) far the longest uh that i've ever done um but i think the context is so important for our discussion because most of our guests where we're talking about strategy and more tactical practical things and today we're really talking a bit more about the human side of this so maybe as to kick us off marianne you could tell us a bit of, of your story in particular those um experiences or moments in your history that led you to end up in this privileged position of you know coach and facilitator and, and confident to founders who scaled can we start there 
Sure. And Sean, as I'm listening to you, you're actually inspiring me because uh, it truly is, I often hear myself say, you know, the best job in the world. And I also hear myself repeating to forums, you know, with a very genuine uh, emphasis on the fact that I actually do feel so honoured and privileged to be part of these conversations. And so just to be clear, I know you've emphasised this, I'm not an expert on scaling, but what I do, I do have the privilege of listening to people uh, explore the challenges that they're facing, the opportunities that they're facing. And as you mentioned, not just in their business, but you know, what are the flow on effects that you know, go into their personal and their family lives? So how did I get to be uh, in this particular role? And sorry, just before you kick off, just to say one thing there, Marianne, for the audience, this is not about YPO and it's not about forums. This is about founders in general. Exactly. And these are, you know, anyone from the outside is going to look at the people in YPO and go, these are really successful people financially. Like these are big organizations, anywhere north of 20 mil to, you know, to maybe billions. And so you're getting to see the inside of we're just trying to unpack what is happening in minds of founders and where are some of the pitfalls and yes. what we need to think about if we're trying to get to that sort of financial success or the business success or the business impact. But what are the things that we need to be thinking about along the way? So, sorry, over to you. Yeah, sure, tell us and, about and your journey. probably it's important for me to talk about um, it's not just founders, and I, I think about founders as being entrepreneurs. I also work with CEOs mm. of family businesses and also um, professional CEOs as well. So and there's probably three groupings. And so the, um, the point I'm trying to really make here in terms of you know, my role, it's you know, very much, as you say, about the human element. And you know, quite often, I even surprised myself, I'm actually not all that interested, even though I love business. You know, because business is a creative endeavor and I love it. And But I'm actually not interested so much in how big is your, is your business or how important mm. is it or any of the trappings that go along with that. I'm really interested in the central character, which is you, the CEO. You know, where are you at in your journey? Where have you come from? What are the current challenges and opportunities that you're facing at the moment? And, you know, where do you see yourself going? And of course, scale comes up. It comes up more and more uh, in the last decade. Uh, it's, it's something that I, I can't really remember you know, in previous decades, the emphasis on scale. And I think it's very much to do with the opportunities that globalization, this incredible global village mm. that we now live in, it's, it's almost like it's there for the taking, right? It's a bit like Edmund Hillary saying, you know, in response to the question, well, you know, why did you want to climb Mount Everest? Because it's there. And I think it's the same, yeah. you know, it's the same for CEOs. It's almost becoming an automatic strategy to some extent. It's like the default starting That's point, right. That's right. Which is Why wouldn't I? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. With, you know, the, the spoils that are on offer potentially. So I think it's even become more critical in terms of the role that I can play, which is really asking people to have a deeper conversation with themselves within a small group setting around, you know, what does this decision to scale, to grow or not you know, mean for me? What's, what's its significance? What's this business about for me? Mm. 
Mm. And that's, I, I love that. Um, I love that comment because it's very easy to attach yourself to your point to the spoils and the trappings and it's going to give me, you know, X, Y, and Z. But I always ask founders, well, what role do you actually want to be playing? Like what gives you energy and what takes energy away from you? Because, you know, an IPO, for example, as a potential, you know, as a potential exit option might sound wonderful, but do you actually want to run a public company? Like, have you considered what yes. that means? If, you know, because the investors are going to want to know that the person who built the business stays on, you know, for a pretty material amount of time if they're going to back it with public money. And do you want to be the CEO of a public company? I mean, it's a very different kind of gig to probably how you built the business in the first place. And some people love it and some people absolutely hate it. it and yes. It doesn't have to be the outcome, you know what I mean? Yes. And uh, actually, I can, I'm thinking of, two clients um, at the moment and just repeating I'm obviously de-identifying people but you know one client I'm thinking about Michelle and she was or is an entrepreneur and although she came very much from a business background from a, a family business background and she was in corporate software and you know really she really went down this automatic path of growing big and bigger and bigger but really what her goal was her unstated goal for quite a long time was to float was ipo to go in that direction Mm -hmm. and it was unquestioned that that's what she wanted to do and i can remember you know one particular conversation when um she was sharing this as you know this was her vision and you know for the next couple of years to get to the company to that point. And as you well would know, Sean, that's no small feat, right? To get to a company, you know, to that point. And so of course the um, conversation within her group was around, you know, what's that gonna take and how you're gonna do that and really focusing on the what and the how. But, you know, Mm. really linking back to the kind of questions that you were asking, I can remember just asking Michelle to reflect you know, what did this actually mean to her? You know, why was it so, so important? And because it was just such a given, just the, uh, the way she was um, putting it out there, this is what I'm going for. Mm. And as it turns mm. out, you know, it was what her father had done, okay, in, in, and, um, in his business world. And, and you know, it, it was one of these situations where I'm really you know, seeking approval, I'm wanting to prove myself and and that's okay. But uh, she kind of did connect with that, that that was her reality, but still went on and pushed ahead. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, Michelle is a very, very unhappy CEO. Um, And, you know, in a meeting I had with her earlier this year, that the word that came up is, you know, I feel trapped. Because here is this... Mm -hmm person this wonderful creative and in fact you know originally was designing the software that the business was built around and you know she feels very very constrained by all the kind of governance you know requirements and you know she's no longer that free spirit and but you know Mm. she achieved her goal but she didn't ever take the time out to truly ask herself why why? Yeah, why? Mm. This... And what's that going to mean for yeah, me? Yeah, and what's that going to mean for me? Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm. So what's the significance of this for me? And, and you know, when we get to a place of achievement and success and, and, you know, gosh, I could go on and on about so many CEOs get to a point, you know, uh, the pinnacle and, you know, the question that can often come up is, well, is this it? And there's, mm. and, the, and, you know, there can be a, a hollowness there if you haven't actually connected with why am I doing this? Is this something that truly nourishes me and gives me purpose? Yeah. If we take a step back to um, to Michelle, it's such an interesting example, and I know many um, I know many CEOs or, or founders who are uh, you know more so founders who are seeing IPO as a potential exit. You know, maybe that's because there's a market dynamic. They see that as a they see that as a great way to sort of you know monetize the effort they've put in so far. Um, so in Michelle's case, you know, if I think about founders, they tend to be very good at evaluating alternatives um on strategy to you know achieve a particular outcome okay we want to get to that outcome or that number or that market or whatever let's think of all the different ways we can get there but to your point how much time is being because and this is the problem right with Mm -hmm. when you're at the top where who's having a who's having the hard conversation with you about like who's who's trusted enough in your world to say yeah but why are you doing that yeah and are there alternatives? Yes. You know, is, is there another way if you really pull it back? Is it because, is it, is it a cash flow driver? Is yeah. it an ego driver? Mm. Is it a, you know, like what is that? Is it because you're interested in learning about what that experience is like? Is it a professional development, personal growth thing? Like what is actually, and that's, it's a hard question um, to answer, but it matters so much because if you think about the consequences of, making the assumption that that's the course and then ending up in that role. And then to your point, all of the personal consequences that come, now everybody has that expectation on you. So to your point, she's feeling trapped. She's not getting what she clearly needed at an, at another level in terms of what she wanted from her business and how she wanted to be spending her time. And now she's probably spending 30, you know, in a typical public CEO, mm-hmm. you know, role, probably yes. 30% of your time minimum with, you know, with the shareholders. Um, Lots of reporting, incredible amounts mm-hmm. of scrutiny, That's having right. to report to the market on every you know small thing that happens that could impact the share price, and it's just a different job. You know, it's a different job. It's it's got it's still got the opportunity for creativity, but it's more constrained. It's just a very different nature of beast. Uh, I, this this applies just as much with smaller companies, um, and I personally mentor you know a, a small cohort of sort of select founders mm-hmm. and many who are still sub you know, 10, 15 million dollars. Yes. And we we end up in lots of conversations around exit optionality and they're trying to maximize their set of options for exit. But we spend a huge amount of time talking about the personal drivers. Great. Because yes. from my perspective, you know, do you do you need to exit at all? Let's start with that. Yes. Okay. If actually would you be just as happy installing management, being it remaining a director of the company? and just taking dividends on an ongoing basis for who knows what the indefinite period of time is, but actually just entrusting the management to somebody else that you're willing to back and remunerate appropriately. Would you be just as happy with that outcome versus an exit? Because let's just say it's a sale. Great. You know, I've seen, I've seen some serious post sale regret. Yes. Like, 
okay, I got an exit. It's like it's, there's a badge of honor. I got an exit and now I can talk about the fact that I've got, an, you know, I've exited, you know, I did this company and we exited after, you know, three years and we got blah, blah, blah. Yeah, great. Okay. Now what? And then so is that, <laughs> it, reflectively, was that the right decision? Yes. Because, all, you know, if you think about even just what an exit means, it means you're also, you're, you're monetizing what the future cash flows and the value of the business is, but now it's somebody else's. And if this was a golden goose that was laying eggs, did you need an exit? And to your point, what was driving it? Yes, and I, you're making me appreciate the fact, Sean, that, and clearly you do this in the role that you play as a mentor, is I think the reason people don't pause and reflect and ask or even answer uh, some of these more challenging questions is because it takes them into the unknown. You know, it, it, right. it's it's one thing when we strategize about, okay, what are the options? What are the risks for the business? What are the opportunities? But this really takes us into the realm of the unknown, isn't it? And we have to step into uncertainty and sit there, sit with ourselves. And, mm. you know, and, and that can be uncomfortable for people rather than let me mm. stick with this notion that I've had that it's always a good idea to build and sell or whatever the, you know, the desire is. Wow. And so uh, in your in your experience, let's just say that you have got let's if you if you had your time again, let's say it was with Michelle, what what conversation would you have had with Michelle that you think would have been direct enough for or had you know, sort of driven enough insight that she may have reconsidered or considered more deeply what she truly wanted? Because you said she, she kind of called it out. And she knew what it was about, but then she still did it anyway, maybe because there was a sunk cost. I, you know, I've, well, I've already, I'm already on the path and I've already got this far and it's not that far ahead. And so I probably just need to carry on, even though I haven't truly thought through the consequences because now she's unhappy, right? Yes. Is there anything that you think you could have done in hindsight that would have had her maybe look at alternatives and still got what she wanted, um, but also what she wanted personally? Yes. And not just from a business perspective. That's a great question. And it, it, it's not my role to advise, but certainly to walk alongside people and, you know, to mm. invite them to let's, let's just sit down here by the path here and, you know, take a moment and, and pay attention is really what you're saying. How could I uh, more effectively get people, you know, someone like Michelle to pay attention? What, you know, what's stirring inside you, Michelle? What are the questions that might be coming up? And, I'm thinking about another uh, CEO where I think I did that. And, and, and often it's because that individual is ready to actually to hear the question mm. more clearly. It, it, it's the right time. It's, you know, we can all hear a question at a particular time and it doesn't land. But I'm thinking about mm. Brad and Brad was super, super excited about taking his retail business global and, and the USA was his you know, next huge market. And he invited his peer group uh, to uh, the annual meeting and he gave them all notice that he really wanted to pick their brains in inverted commas to, to get their input into his strategy. He'd worked out his strategy to scale. And mm -hmm. so, we sat down and 
I don't, I'm sure you would appreciate if you get a group of business people around and you put up the numbers, you know, the, it was an Excel spreadsheet presentation and we were looking at cash flows and ROI and P&Ls and, and people's businessmen, business people, they were all men actually in that particular group, uh, start salivating. You know, it's like, it's like moths to a candle. And, yeah. you know, so this is the thing about certainty because those numbers look real, right? And mm. so everyone was engaged in, uh, and it was a very stimulating conversation around what could be. And, you know, mm. there was an excitement in the room. And, you know, the, this Brad's business was a real success story. But there was a moment where I just, and this is the thing, if we can just get people to pause, where I asked Brad if he'd be prepared to turn off the PowerPoint. And if we, we actually just even shifted and sat around in more, you know, just in a, in a circle, basically, got, got, up, got away from the boardroom table. And I said, mm-hmm. Brad, I want, I've got one question for you. And it was a, you know, a brilliant, thoughtful presentation. But this decision to go into the big market, to scale up, is this a head or a heart decision? What, I think we've heard what your head is telling you. And I'm inviting you to share, us, share with us what's in your heart. How are you feeling about this? And what emerged, just to cut a long story short, was this incredible conversation where Brad shared his story, where he'd come from Vietnam as a refugee, a boat person, and with his grandparents and parents, and your typical story of incredible industriousness and working up from nothing. And he was so fueled, you know, beyond doing what he loved, you know, his true passion and desire was security for his family. And so what later came out as the conversation and the story unfolded that his marriage, a bit like what you were saying in your intro, was in serious trouble. He was never home. He was always on a plane. He was so driven by this desire to build something that was almost indestructible. Okay, he was going to build the big war shop when I, ship when I think about that little boat that he came out. This was an indestructible mm-hmm. warship that he was building that would keep his family and future generations safe forever. And, and the reality is that um, six months later, he had very serious health issues. And, but, you know, we, we've had several conversations since then. And it was that moment, it was just the right time for someone to ask mm. him what was in his heart. And, you know, he was able to connect with, uh, you know, his, you know, what really was driving him at a much, much deeper level which was really basically a huge fear and anxiety around, you know, not having enough, not being able to provide for his family. There you go. And what was the implication of that realisation for him? He didn't go to the US. He didn't go no, to the US. No, he didn't. And and because, because why? Because 
he never, I mean, I know it sounds unbelievable. And you said at the beginning, when you're not in the forest, right? When you haven't got your mm -hmm. nose up on the bark, it, it's so much clearer, right? You have the perspective. Believe it or not, he had never made the connection. I mean, he had at some superficial level that, you know, it was important to work hard and uh, to make his parents proud and to almost pay them back you know, for them sacrificing a lot to pay for his schooling, etc. But he'd never made that connection at the deepest level, which is, you know, really around he, what was fueling him was it wasn't passion for his business. It was a deep, deep insecurity around, um, you know, failure, poverty, basically. And he was sacrificing mm. everything, his health, his family, and it really made him stop and step back and to really appreciate that he'd actually created something pretty amazing and that he wanted just to, I mean, to appreciate that for a while. And who knows? He may later on. I don't know whether he, he may take that path, but hopefully from a much more centered, calm place. Mm. Maybe for different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, geez, there's so much to unpack there. <laughs> so um, one of the things, you know, let, if we just talk about, because that is such a common thread. Yes. The, um, I'm doing it for my family. Yes. And I, my first question is, have you asked them what they want? I love that. <laughs> so I'm doing this, I'm doing this for my, for my wife, my children, and protect us and give us everything we need and all the rest. And you go, okay. Have you asked your wife um, what she would like from you? Because I think there are a lot of people that'll be amazed. Their partner, uh, or you know, their, their, their partner, would say, "I just want to see you more. Yes, I just, I just want you to be here. I, I actually, I don't care if we live in a caravan. You know, uh, I do not share the drive and the fear that you have because actually, I married you, or you know, we're together because I love you." not because I really could care less about how much money we have, but in the absence of conversations like that, people can run really hard fooling themselves as to what the real motivation is and end up costing them exactly what it is they said they were doing in the yes. first place. So, you know, you, they, they get the exit, they turn around and they go, look, honey, look what I've done. And the partner goes... It's just crickets. Why? Because they're not there anymore. Because the relationship's fallen apart along the way. Why? Because the person's not present in the relationship. That's not what relationships are about. And so I'm not casting a, an aspersion on whether it's a good or a bad motivation. The question is, is, is this an aligned sort of, you know, are both parties going to get what they want and are they aligned on the driver as to what it's going to take and, and you know have also thought about the consequences i remember um i think it was brian tracy or someone like that a long time ago i could be getting the reference wrong but who said there's only a few steps to figuring out what you want and i remember i'll never forget the first two the first one is to decide what you want which is usually the hardest part of all of it right because you really have to think about what you actually want and what it looks like the second question has to be have what is the cost of getting there yes 
What will you have to give up? Because it's not going to come free. It's not going to come easy. It's not going to come without some kind of sacrifice. What is going to be the cost to you to achieve that? And three, are you willing to sign up for that cost? And I just go, if, if you, you can easily fool yourself on that conversation, but it's like, to get to that goal, if the cost is going to end up being health or family or friends, and you may not know 100% that that's definitely the cost, but all of a sudden you find yourself going, wow, when was the last time I did something that actually filled me with joy or filled my partner with joy or filled my or saw my friends that I've cared so much about, you know? And is that creating a cost in the long term that I'm willing to sacrifice to achieve this goal? And maybe, maybe yes and maybe no. Yes, and I think COVID has certainly provided um, another context here in that I've had so many, you know, both female and male CEOs make that very comment that, wow, you know, my family are really pleased to have me around. And I've had dinner every night with my family this week. This is unheard of, you know, working from home Mm. uh, has opened up this kind of new realization. And I love what you're saying because we don't actually often sit down, you know, whether it's with a business partner or a life partner or our kids and say, look, here's the deal. I'm going to, it's going to cost me my health. Um, You won't get to see me. (laughs) You'll get to go to great schools or whatever, you know, maybe there'll Mm -hmm. be some benefits down the track, etc. And I'll set you up with your children's, you know, welfare in mind as well. Um, But here's the cost. Are we all in? No, but it, 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 and no one to be fair who starts a business ever from the beginning appreciates how hard it is, right? No. no one gets it. No one from the outside ever understands. That's why I get so annoyed when people look at people who've been successful in business and say they're lucky or whatever. It's mm. so hard. It, it can, businesses, it can be such a buzz to grow and scale a business, but it's incredibly difficult. And you're absolutely right. What is the cost? And the other point, Sean, is sadly, I've met many, many people who are actually willing to, you know, to pay those costs. Yeah, 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 they are, they are. And there's a self-sacrificial element that often comes in. And, you know, so whereas I think, you know, what we're both really talking about here is that the road that's right ahead in front of me, this kind of Mount Everest, it's not necessarily the right or the only road. And so I can only Mm. benefit by pausing and reflecting and, uh, and paying attention to what's actually, if I do go down um, the road of scaling, what actually will help me and the business and everyone involved, um, you know, have a joyful ride. What what, mm. yeah, what are the ingredients that are actually going to to uh, to help that? I remember um, when I first did uh, my training in neurolinguistics many 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 moons ago. Um, one of the tools that I thought was awesome was that immediately after setting a goal, you would do an ecology check. And I probably will get some of the ingredients wrong, but the ecology check was great. You set this goal. It's really well formed. You know, it's smart format or whatever, whatever sort of model you want to use, but it's really clear. It's measurable. It's tangible. It's time bound, yada, yada, yada. Great. Step two is um, let's do an ecology check. What are the consequences positively and negatively for all these other areas of life? 
of your life as a result of achieving that outcome. Family, friends, sort of social, um, uh, health, uh, career, like you know, go through every sort of area of your life and go, okay, because there's going to be positive and negative consequences probably in every single one. Sure. And if you, to your point, if you can do the ecology check and you go, you know what? I can see this is actually pretty much all positive consequences for all these areas. Cool. Or I might be willing to sacrifice some areas, but if you don't do the thinking and you just assume that that's the path and you think about all the positive consequences that come from getting to the end of the goal, which we're all very good at, um, but you don't take a step back and think about the negative ones, you can, to your point, end up on a path with lots of, um, lots of catastrophe along the way that you haven't really thought about. You get to the end of that road, you turn around, you go, look, everybody, look what I did and can't wait to spend more time with you and I've got all this money and time. And it's like crickets, family's gone, partner's gone, kid's not interested because you don't have a relationship with them anymore. Health is in tatters. And to your point, you said, you know, a lot of people get to that point and go, like, is this it? Yes. Yeah. Is that, is that what I, is that, this is not what I imagined. I was imagining like fanfare and confetti and it's amazing and that happens for an instant and then you get to the next day and you go what does that mean for me who am i now what do i spend my time on who do i spend it with yeah so so i'm conscious that we spent a fair bit of time there on brad so if you were to summarize just from michelle's and brad's stories what would be the takeouts are the key questions that you would want founders to think about from those two stories um as a as a takeaway well one thing that i haven't mentioned and i am thinking about a, a, another client um paul who Actually, what he's done, if, if we think about what I basically said is reflect and really detach from, you know, my ego. Uh, that's right. I think you mentioned that before. You know, what, what's the real driver here? But I think there's another really important part of this, which is aligning, you know, in, you know, what is the purpose of the business? What are the values? Uh, what are the leadership you know, behaviours that we're wanting to scale up? right? Because if we don't actually build a prototype, a really healthy prototype in terms of the business, what's the point of scaling something unhealthy, right? And so if I think mm. about a client uh, of mine, Paul, who's gone down this very track of, you know, building the, the business in Australia and, and now embarked on a, a, a huge kind of global expansion, I just look at him and with delight, really, because what I can see is his very clear, strong emphasis on that we're not scaling and doing something different. We are rolling out, you know, our essence, our culture, you know, what we believe in, you know, how we do business, our deepest values. We are staying connected with our purpose as we roll out and I really think that clarity that alignment around you know the the deepest uh, essence the purpose of the business is what pays off mm. yeah I love that so if you if you connect those three stories so far just to summarize um, what I'm hearing um, in in when we think about Michelle what Michelle may not have done that founders might want to be thinking about is gone to the end of the, you know, she's assumed a path, she's got a goal. Yes. Spend some time thinking about what's driving me yeah. and also what's life going to look like at the end of that goal and is that what I want? Yes. First of all, like let's make sure my, you know, really clearly understand why I'm doing it, what's driving it and what life's going to be like on the other side. Second one, 
uh, for uh, Brad is okay. Let's let's do a bit of an ecology check. If if I can get comfortable with the first part, which is yep, okay, that is a good strategy. I'm comfortable with what's at the end of that, and I'm excited about it, and I feel like my driver is you know is, is positive, and there's no sort of negative consequences. What happens along the way? What are the consequences? What are the costs? Am I willing to pay those costs? You know, what could go wrong? Do I have alignment around around me in terms of yeah, you know, I've thought about the ecology of it. And the third one is saying, okay, great. If you can get through those first two tests, <laughs> um, let's think about the business and the structure. This is actually kind of goes back to to your point, the purpose of the business, the ingredients yeah. of the business, the heart of the business. That's and it. what kind of, um, is this organization going to have real and positive impact in the world? And is it going to be a... Are there going to be positive consequences for the people who are in the business? Mm-hmm. Um, because they're actually they're engaged, they're doing good, the values are strong. They're, you know that the the alignment of the business model will help you fulfil the potential, but it's also creating good things uh, along the way. And if that's if those elements are in check, then scaling is a good thing, right? Because yeah. you are hopefully having some real positive impact in the world. You've got a great culture that's really empowering and engaging people. So they feel motivated by it. You're going to have a better team. You're going to have less sort of strategic wandering around. Um, it makes the job easier, but it also creates better outcomes on the way. Do you, are you, is there something in that third story that I've kind of missed in the thinking around that, in the summary of around that? No, that's exactly right. But before I comment on that, I want to add one thing about Michelle in that, what really was missing for her, and it probably applies to all three to some extent, is the importance of knowing yourself. You know, she was really casting herself in her father's shadow in that I'm like my dad. And in fact, she was very, very different to her father. And so mm. knowing myself means that I can trust myself so that, you know, I can trust the business others can trust my me and and the business as it grows and expands and you know the third thing there about uh going global and you know being connected with the heart i love that of the business is you really are expanding positive impact of the business throughout the world and that can only be a great thing uh, if we get Mm. all these ingredients right yeah i love that and um I would say that I was just, it just it just raised uh, in my mind another guest who, uh, by the time this episode is published, may or may not have already been published, but um, uh, a, a founder called Owen Franklin, uh, who is in the States and has built this incredible uh, sort of e-commerce company around um, you know, sort of third-party sales on Amazon, and it's and it's essentially office products. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it's like envelopes and pens and you know stuff that you kind of go, wow, that's pretty unexciting like okay you've sold somebody a folder or or whatever but when you hear him talk about his business and the positive consequences are the the way they think about the network and the system and that actually the goal of the entire business is to make everybody's lives better in that chain their suppliers their team their customers and actually and you go you can imagine being in this business and going wow this is such a cool place to work i might be selling some pretty boring looking products but the heartbeat of this thing is is exciting and wonderful and creating you know really amazing things in the world yes philip it's lead first with purpose right Mm. and there's an expectation as well now like people you know this is not the era anymore where people are just so thankful to have a job and will continue to okay yes in some in some places sure and you know some levels of organizations and some levels of roles and, and and some economies no question 
but there is clearly a huge shift in the last 10 to 15 years to people expecting to work in a business that has heart and purpose. That's right. It's, uh, it's yeah. far more of a minimum expectation than like, oh, that'd be amazing. Yes, that's right. And people love to be part of something meaningful, right? It gives us meaning. Absolutely. Yeah. And and so... There's one it, thing I... Sorry, go. No, no, you, you go. I was ahead. just going to say in terms of scaling, you know, that it, and if that is meaningful and if it's all aligned... Uh, in a really positive way, then then bigger is better, right? Yeah. Yeah. One thing I want to just draw a little um, a little bow around was one of the when you unpack when you're unpacking those those pieces around motivation. I, I always have found the concept of sort of toward and away from motivation really critical in understanding what's like because I end up having this conversation with founders because. I'm interested in the impact of what's motivating them on what's going to happen when the motivation is achieved. So what do I mean by that? Um, away from motivation, which we're all very mm-hmm. good at and is what we naturally, yes. we, we will move away from pain, of course, yes. very quickly, you know, put the hand on the stove, you know, you'll change behaviors pretty quickly. You won't do it too many times. Um, the desire, for example, to no longer be poor. Yeah. Well, or no longer be fat or no longer be, you know, something that can create excellent short-term motivation. Like you'll move fast, you'll change lots of things, you'll tackle lots of stuff. But the question is what happens to the motivation when you're just far enough away, you no longer feel poor or you no longer feel you know, fat or overweight or you no longer feel unhealthy. Like you're far enough away from the pain of it. What happens to the motivation? And you see this in yo-yo everything, yo-yo with yes. money, yo-yo with you know, health, yo-yo with everything. The motivation disappears. And as humans, we need to be motivated by something. And if you haven't replaced that away from motivation with something that's yeah. actually really compelling and exciting yeah. and pulling you towards something, yes. you will recreate that pain mm-hmm. or a different kind of pain so that you have some motivation <laughs> to do something. And True. so I'm always, the reason I'm asking the question to founders is what's driving you? Because I'm thinking what happens if they get to that minimum expectation? They've moved far enough away from pain after four years or three years or five years. And then all of a sudden the business starts to crumble because unconsciously they start self-sabotaging the model, the process or something to recreate some motivation. But actually it's everybody else who feels the consequence of that even more so than the founder. So it's finding that balance, you know, nothing wrong with having pain oriented or away from motivation. But at some point you don't shift towards motivation and have a really clear aligned purposeful driver about what that is that you want long-term motivation won't exist. Yes. And rather than motivation, I, I suspect what we're talking about, that a, a different question is, what nourishes me? Oh, yeah. great question. Yeah, that's, and I think that leads to that deeper reflection that I'm talking about. And because you're exactly right, when people arrive or get close to, you know, the Holy Grail, they're, you know, repeatedly, you know, what I hear about is a sense of emptiness or, hollowness and or alternatively i'm never there i'm never you know Mm. far enough away from poverty or i'm never Mm. you know proving myself to my father enough so yeah what's actually nourishing me Mm. wow well Marianne, I could talk to you all day long. We would have such rich uh, conversations, you and I. Oh, but um, I'm conscious that we're sort of at the end of uh, our time. I think we've done a good job of wrapping up some of the uh, some of the takeaways for founders. And I really hope the community um, has found this valuable today because 
These are some of the hard questions. Um, and you may or may not have people in your network today or friends or family who are going to ask you these, who can give it to you in a way that you can hear. And to your point, you might need to hear it differently from another person or another few times or yes. in the right moment. But if you don't ask those questions and you don't deeply reflect on some of these issues, the wheels can come off or the consequences can be great. And, you know, all the financial success in the world or your know, business success in the world leaves you with this feeling of emptiness and loneliness and significant negative consequences. Mm-hmm. So I think they're just critic. It's a critical conversation to have our founders and CEOs really reflect on these things to make sure that all that, and the ingredients absolutely can line up. So we're not saying this is the biggest problem that everyone has all the time no. and no one ever solves it. It's like, no, no, it absolutely, these ingredients can line up, but the thinking really helps. Yes. And it's having the courage, Sean, to step into the unknown, to have the conversation, yeah. to listen to yourself. That's most important. Beautiful. Marianne, how can people get in touch with you or follow along with what you're doing if they want to hear more about uh, Marianne or The Worthy Leader? Oh, okay. So I do have a website, which is worthyleader.net, or anyone can email me at mm at worthyleader.net. Love to continue the conversation. And thank you, Sean, Beautiful. for today's conversation. Uh, my pleasure, Marianne. It's been wonderful. Folks, I hope you enjoyed the show today. Huge thanks to, uh, to Marianne. A uh, couple of things before you go. Of course, if you got value from today, please tell a few people about it or rate it on Apple Podcasts or something. That just helps to get, uh, you know, the algorithms help it get in front of other people, which is great because then other people get uh, get exposed to the great ideas. You're welcome to uh, jump onto the Scarlet's Podcast website. You get full transcriptions there or jump on YouTube. You'll get to watch Marianne and I uh, in action on the full video version. Uh, and of course, you can jump on the socials. We're at, um, at Scarlet's Podcast on all your favorite socials. But remember that... At the core of it, in addition to the alignment that we've talked about around this entire sort of heart, mind, goals, consequences, you know, piece of work, the most important thing is that you don't give up in the process. Yeah. Uh, Because the thing that guarantees that you will not achieve, these are tough things to tussle with, right? But let's assume that you can overcome those. You just can't give up when it gets hard. You've just got to stay unshakable with your faith and, and, and turn to somebody beside you. And if you need some help, then reach out for help, whether it's a peer or a mentor or a, or a coach or a facilitator. But stay connected to the opportunity, but just don't give up uh, in the process. You've been, uh, you've been listening to the Scarlet's podcast today. I'm Sean Steele, and I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Thanks so much, Marianne. Really Thank appreciate you, you coming on. Sean. Thanks, G'day everyone, just a couple of quick things before you go. If you have questions that you'd love myself or an upcoming guest to tackle about challenges that you're facing in scaling your business, please just jump straight on the website, scaleupspodcast.com. You can record your message straight from your mobile by hitting the button on the right-hand side of the page, or you can just email them the old-fashioned way, questions at scaleupspodcast.com. And just a quick reminder, nothing we spoke about today constitutes financial or business advice. If you are considering making big decisions in your business, seek out a professional who can look at your situation in detail and make sure you're getting sound, personalized advice. Thanks for listening. Look forward to being back in your podcast feed next week. Mm